This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by Intercontinental San Francisco Hotel. They are hosting our podcast tomorrow, which is Monday, July 25th at 7 p.m. in the Bay Area. We are super looking forward to meeting you all and seeing some familiar faces again. We just wrapped up a podcast in Las Vegas, and that was uh, fantastic. And that's what you're about to listen to tonight. It was El Dia Después. Obviously, the game was last night in Vegas, which we all attended. And uh, I, uh, I had, I personally had a great time, even though Real Madrid lost. Uh, it was really cool to just be in Vegas, and there were a lot of maridistas in attendance, and the city was really just good vibes all around. Very peaceful, good vibes, respectful fans everywhere, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the atmosphere in the stadium. I thought both sets of fans did a fantastic job to add to the incredible atmosphere. Great stadium as well. Allegiant was awesome. Very nicely controlled uh, temperature, which is not something I'm used to going to the Bernabeu, so that was also a nice plus. Great Wi-Fi, also another bonus. But uh, it was just a great vibes weekend all around. And thank you to everyone who came to our podcast today. Congratulations to um, Christian, Mustafa, and Kenneth for winning signed pictures from Luka Modric, Kaylor Navas, and Pepe. And we got more prizes to give out tomorrow in San Francisco. So brush up on your Real Madrid trivia if you're looking forward to getting some signed stuff from the Real Madrid players. We're going to jump into tonight's podcast, which was, again, from today's live recording. I've chopped it up quite a bit, just so you know. It's about 22, 23-something minutes like that. The entire podcast was nearly two hours. I chopped it up because generally what I've found with these live podcasts, it's a totally experience for those who are listening at home. And uh, you can't really get all the nuances and context. It's extremely interactive. And there's a lot of like inside jokes and there's things that happen off the microphone that you wouldn't understand at home. So <clears throat> putting the entire podcast is a disservice to you. So I've chopped it up and uh, made sure that, you know, it's easy to listen to for you guys at home because sometimes you won't be able to hear everything with the, you know, because so, there's other people who come on stage. Maybe they don't speak as loud. And you can't hear them. So I've put together a compilation of talking points which mostly stem that starts with the whole Rudiger left back thing Ancelotti's reasoning behind it <clears throat> as you can tell my voice is pretty much shot up at this point too from the live podcast but uh yeah it's there's a lot of different discussions from last night dealing with Barca's press the lineup some future midfield options and uh, other things and then there's trivia at the end again 22 minutes or so the entire podcast runs it's not the full thing the full thing really is, uh, forgive my cliche statement, but what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So congratulations to those who were part of the Vegas podcast experience. It was magical, and uh, we look forward to meeting you guys tomorrow night in San Fran. All right, enough blabbering. Let's set this up with Ray Hudson and Derek Ray. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast! 
know that Barcelona strive for beating Real Madrid in preseason friendlies. Real Madrid focuses on winning Champions League trophies, and the Manage Madrid podcast focuses on hype and energy with the best fans in the world. So, uh, a huge talking point that we haven't touched on yet was the fact that Rudiger played left back and Alaba played in the middle. And to me, when I because a lot of people were asking like, why is this happening? And my initial analysis when I was watching it was like probably because they wanted someone to defend Rafinha one on one. And you kind of saw like, remember that sequence where Rafinha tries to get around him and Rudiger just like yes. just like pushing him on like some kind of mat, just pushes him out of the feet, out of the way. Where do you think you come? Yeah. So like, and Rudiger one on one is impeccable. One of the one of the best in the world. And so I thought maybe that's why Ancelotti actually addressed it after the game, where he said he wanted to switch, and he didn't say this part specifically, but I mean he had Mendy and Alaba do this a lot last season because he wanted to take advantage of Alaba in the final third, but he also wanted to have Mendy on the field because defensively Mendy's a wall. And so and and I thought the the understanding between Mendy and Alaba was really good. Uh, last season and that they could switch on the fly really well and I thought maybe he wanted to expect that this season but he also said something else he said I don't want to mess with the center back partnership that won me the double last season and that's that was to me a really big statement to make because you just signed Rudiger one of the best center backs in the world and if you don't want to break up Alaba Militao um, I do wonder if maybe he goes with that back four and again it's preseason who knows who knows but even though even though Mendy saved us Against Chelsea. Yeah. 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 City. 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 Yeah. I know it's a blur. We just beat yeah. them all. And like, yeah. Yeah. It was the same game. It was comebacks. And we, played heroic. Four, we played four finals in, yeah. one, in one year. Yeah. Did you guys notice? Did you guys notice, though? Um, Rudiger really, like, stepped up into yeah. the, um, yes. like, organizing everybody else. It was like him and Alaba mirrored each other. Like, there was times where they were screaming at each other on the back line. Like they were, they both had their hand up. Like here's the line, here's this, and it was like they both did it. So Alaba used to be on his own with that, um, and now he's got like backup in that instance. So I mean, that would be crazy. Um, it's almost, it may almost have the potential of like the um, Sergio Ramos Pepe days, right? Because Alaba has kind of like that football IQ that Ramos did, and he didn't have that pace, right? As much as you know, Pepe per se. So he would stick on on people, and he would play like the IQ game as a defender. And Rudiger could just be our bulldog, like Pepe. Yeah, yeah. Like, shit house too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the good kind. Yeah, you know, there's exactly. like there's like despicable shit like the Luis Suarez, Jordi Alba, <laughs> Raúl Garcia. Yeah. Oh, but then there's like the class shit like the Pepe. You know, <laughs> the Rudiger, <laughs> the ones that you know. Um, one, something that Ancelotti also did say yesterday that was interesting, I thought, was that he, he also clarified the fact that he does not see Alaba as a left back, um, which was a huge question mark that, was, you know, heading into the season all summer, reports all in the Spanish press, even at managing room, that Ancelotti wants Alaba as a left back. Um, but he clarified that last night. I think it partly has to do with Alaba himself probably not wanting to play left back, but uh, he did also clarify that. So I thought that was interesting. So it'll be interesting to see, like, it, it, it almost seems like it comes down to Rudiger and Mendy and Ancelotti's eyes. Um, and I, again, this is, I promise this is not reactionary to Militao's pass last night that led to the Rafinha goal. But I do think the one I'm interested to see most is Rudiger 
Alaba and Mendy. I think that gives us a bet that our best combination of ball progression and defensive stability and organization. And I have nothing against Militao. I think Militao is going to be a very important defender if he's not already. And I think some of the stuff that we see from him in last season is growing pains. But he has that heroism in his in his heart and his ability to you know stop last last second challenges or whatever to save goals. He has that. But I do think Rudiger is good, healthy comp uh, competition for him. And I also think, based on last season, what we saw, and also the, the trips to South America, he needs to rest more. So I think naturally we'll see Rudiger, and we'll see different combinations because the season is long. We're going. We have that freaking Club World Cup this year and the World Cup. Let me balance up. But uh, to your point, to your question, you said it. You kind of answered it in, in a way that you already said Mordich's probably the, maybe the greatest midfielder of all time, but at least to me in the shortlist, okay? Given that, can the new generation live up to that? If that's our, if that's what we're labeling Modric rightfully as, the answer is almost no. So, and we have to be okay with that in some sense, I think, because, but that does, that's not necessarily a bad thing, because, you know, there's gonna be cycles, eventually great other great players will come. I think we, we change our style of play a little bit with Modric gone because what Modric did was so unique in our club's history that, you know, I have to say, like, he was the closest thing to DiStefano just in the term, in, in the sense of the amount of ground he covered. He was the right back, the right winger, the central midfielder, the defensive midfielder, the attacker. He did everything on the field and he was it was necessary from him because our structure was so chaotic during our entire dynasty that if you didn't have someone like him, like Spider-Man, to just glue it all together and do everything that was needed and put his body on the line, yeah. we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been able to win all those things. Wow. So to get someone to do that again is asking a lot. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to be successful. I just think that we have to sh shift our style of play a little bit. Yes. And I think uh, I do think though, if you're going to pair Kamavinga, Chulmeni, Fede Valverde, or any combination of those two together. I think it would you would need to have the third kind of guy like a Modric to or a Cruz to help progress the ball a little bit. So, um, possibly. Kubo, have you seen Kubo play the last two three? He's gone. He's, but we'll see what happens at Real Sociedad. So uh, I don't like with Modric. You can kind of see the transition, right? Because we have these young players. And really, there could be no better learning curve for someone like Kamavinga than to come in through his first year, come into the Champions League like he's been playing like as a whole life and not as a teenager, experience the winning, and then go into the locker room after the in the during the Champions League celebrations on the 14th, hearing Modric say, "We got to go for 15 next year." Like being part of that mentality, that's the best transition we can ask for Kamavinga to experience that. So I can see the midfield transition already a little bit, but the striker, I have no idea. I did predict something. If you guys want to get, if you thought this summer was just uh, full of anxiety and noise and the Mbappe thing and Holland thing, in three years, I'm telling you right now, three years, I'm, the, the one who we shall not speak of, and no matter what we think of him in three years, this is going to come back. But the speaking of Benzema's, Benzema's uh, next... I guess the transition, who's next? In three years, I think Benzema and Lewandowski will basically leave Barcelona and Real Madrid respectively at this, around the same time. If I have to guess, because they're both taking care of themselves at an elite level, they're the same age, and I think they'll both age well. I bet you in three years, they'll leave at the same time, and Holland's termination clause kicks in. Get ready. Three years, book it. It's going to be a war for Holland. That's what I predict.
if I'm assuming no one stays healthy, I think that's what's going to happen. And what he did say after the game, we're better than last season, and I agree with him on that. So, uh, what the, what's the new recall? I don't know. I think what I'm most interested in, more so than who is the player, is what is the new system? What is the new wrinkle? What is the new scheme? Because I don't think we're going to go playing the same way with the same players every week like we did last year. Yeah. I think, Ancel I asked Ancelotti about this before the, the first game, and he said we have various amounts of systems that we can use, right? And I think he's going to try a few different things. Uh, we already knew he was going to try Hazard as a false line, but I think he's going to try different combinations, different systems, and we may see like a few different things to start the season, and then you might end up, and then end up sticking with something. But I think that there is definitely room for the team to be more aggressive in his pressing. And if you look at Ancelotti's like history as a quote, what's interesting about him is that for some reason he's had this label because of probably last season that. He plays a certain way, he doesn't press. If you go back to Ancelotti's history as a coach, a lot of his teams were high, highly aggressive pressing teams. Yeah, yeah. He's always been the kind of coach who adapts to what the team he has is at the time, the players he has. Go back to our recent history, 14-15, James and Isco together with Cruz and Modric. High, very aggressive, high octane, small, short passes, high pressing, aggressive. And so he has that in his repertoire. And for whatever reason that we've documented many times, last season that didn't work. He couldn't get the press going. But maybe this season, we saw in the Champions League when Kamavinga and Rodrigo came off the bench, we started to press more aggressively and winning the ball high of the pitch. Do we see more of that from the start um, next season? I don't know. So I, I'm more interested in, like, what's the new system? I think I'm, I'm really confident that Chu and Rudiger will fit pretty seamlessly. I think they have the character, the mentality, the talent to do that. Um, but yeah, that's that's something what I'm more interested in. Yeah. No, I mean, throwing Camavinga in the dark horse thing, like a little possibly. Bit last year. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. But one thing I noticed, like from yesterday's game, was the the ball control that, other than that that mess up, that ball control that Camavinga had. Yes. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of a young Marcelo. Yeah. Mm. I don't know about you guys. Interesting. But it's a different kind of ball control, but it's like so. So you guys, uh, the so there was always a bit of anxiety that I could feel in the Real Madrid crowd, and I felt it too. But I don't really express the press row that like when Barca are pressing and the ball goes to Lucas Vasquez, you know, it's like oh, uh, I don't. He doesn't look too confident in escaping that press. Like he doesn't have like the physical ability also to just shield it and stay calm under pressure. But like when Kamavinga has it, I I feel the confidence. And same with too many. Same with Cruz. Yes, same with Cruz, Modric. They have, they're, they're confident with the ball and they can shield it, they can control it, they can just calm. Like I always say this about Modric, it almost like he has, he injects some ice into his veins before a game. It's like no matter what's happening around him, he's just like so serene, so calm, and always looking vertical. He just, that's the whole crazy thing of Modric. They don't even look for the safe pass. It's like I'm just gonna dance around and then just go vertical. Yeah, exactly. They don't play scared. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I think to your point, Kamavinga has that. Whereas I didn't have that same confidence when Lucas Vasquez had the ball, for example, on that side. And I think that's part of the reason why Kamavinga was so important yesterday to me was that he was just going on that side a lot to just help, to just help escape. So yeah, I think definitely. I, Listen, if Carvajal can't stay healthy, if Carvajal stays healthy, it's a different conversation. We saw him against Liverpool in the final, was amazing against Luis Diaz. 
if he can't stay healthy, it's going to be problematic, right? Uh, and it's kind of like the backup striker. It's hard. Who's it going to be? Odrio Zola is not someone who can you, you can really trust right now either. And Vasquez, I think, is good as like your second or third option, but not as the guy who starts. Of course, we all love Vasquez. No matter Lord Vasquez. Oh, you like Odrio Zola? Yeah, yeah. Well, I said it. I remember writing an article in January of this year uh, when I don't know if you guys remember, but. 538, which is uh, a sports like analytics website, they put out Champions League odds. And it was like City, Liverpool, Bayern, uh, Chelsea, Ajax. Uh, we were not in the first 10. Yeah, we were not even like, it was not even like entertained. And I remember writing an article at that time and listing like, these are all the reasons why you can't count Real Madrid. And I remember some people commenting like, Keon, we're feeling like shit. You can't expect us to win the Champions League. Like, I've, won, I've seen Real Madrid win the Champions League so many times in this exact scenario where no one is expecting it from us. We're not playing well. And you can never, no matter what year it is, I don't care if it's 2022, 2032, 3035. If you put money against Real Madrid in the Champions League, that's a massive risk. It's a risk. What's that? Number 27 plus 1800. Yeah. Wow. Can you list off the teams that were? Uh, is it? Do you have it there? I didn't make oh. the bet. I okay. Did not. Wow. Yeah, we were not. Oh. And then I rebet. I rebet. I forgot I bet, and I rebet in December. Wow. Oh, that's three. your bet. That's my bet. Oh, wow. For us to win the Champions League final. Wow. Yeah. How much you bet? Wow. Yes. wow. <laughs> what did you bet? I didn't Thank bet you. that much money, but I won. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, I mean, see, you're smart. <laughs> but a lot of people, so I remember writing that article, and, and you can't, so that's why when you said next year, I'm in. Um, Zola. One thing I wanted to say is that uh, I unfortunately had to watch every Fiorentina game last season that he played because it's part of my job. I do not recommend other people do this. I would <laughs> please go outside and, and see your friends and get some sunlight. Uh, I, I watched them all. And one of the things I noticed about Fiorentina is that for someone like Odrio Zola, it's perfect because he doesn't have to defend much. Like Fiorentina go three at the back, they send Odrio Zola basically to the opposing corner flag, stay game. there and attack. Yeah, and so they don't, they can kind of mask that. The thing with Odrio Zola at Real Madrid is that they're not going to cater to that at all. Being a Real Madrid defender means you basically have to dance on fire every game of your life. That's what, why Ramos, to me, is arguably the GOAT defender because he literally, his entire job was to put out fires. Yeah. He had the hardest defensive assignment. Like, I, I have I'll a... Turn him, I'll turn him off. Yeah. I, yeah I, had a, I have a lot of respect for some of the greatest defenders of all time. Like, you know, I was a huge Alessandro Nesta fan growing up, for example. You look at Nesta, Cannavaro, Maldini, they never had to play in a chaotic defensive structure. They all, like, it was organized. Ramos, he was like, he had to put up everything by himself. And so, Odriozola comes back, he's going to be to the sword constantly, facing a lot of attacks behind him. It's going to get exposed a lot. And I think if Odriozola is going to be the guy you keep, maybe the way he can help is he gets more minutes against some of the quote-unquote weaker sides where they can't expose him. But in those minutes, Odriozola can maybe attack a little bit more and in those minutes also provide rest for Carvajal so that Carvajal can be fresh for the important games. But it's, still, it's probably the position I worry about the most, being about, really honest with you. What about Vinicius Tobias? Yeah, uh, Vinicius yeah. Tobias, like, again, I don't know anything about him because I've never watched him, obviously. <laughs> but 
Um, certainly, I one of my goals this season is to watch more Castillo, which I think is going to be easy because we don't really have any loanies anymore, uh, apart from Brahim Diaz. But I'd like to watch Castillo more, just to keep my eye on him. From what we know, he's basically more of a right winger than a right back. Yeah. He because he can play both positions, oh, okay. and he's very attack minded, which I think at a club like Real Madrid, you know, that that relies so much on the fullbacks in attack, right. yeah. be interesting and, and, and important to keep our eye on him. So, I my answer to that is I don't know enough about him, but I hope that Vinicius survives will be good. He's a good option. We also just signed Jesus Fortea. who's like this kid from Atlético's youth academy. Oh, yeah. He's a, apparently a really promising right back. I think he's going to play with either Juvenil A or Castilla. We're investing right now in young right backs and hoping that one of them sticks. Like kind of what, kind of like we did with like Vinicius, Rodrigo, and a bunch of wingers in that era. And some of them panned, some of them didn't. I think we're doing that with right backs right now, okay. so that we can hopefully be set up, you know, three, four years. Antonio Blanco. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's good. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah. There's going to be a contingent of Castilla players that we're going to keep our eye on. At different teams next season. Blanco's one. Miguel, I don't think is going to stay. I love him. Arribas is another one. Yeah. Thank you, Christian. Oh, sure. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, you guys ready for some prizes? Okay, so uh, I'm going to ask my friends to come because they haven't been up. I just want you guys to help me with the prizes. So come up. Larray and Nissan. Yeah. So the thing with uh, I need help with trivia is that uh, knowing who put their hand up first. So basically, I'm going to ask my friends to be the judge. So I, I, I do it as fair as possible, and if I don't, at least it's not my fault, it's their yeah. fault. Yeah. <laughs> so this is my cousin, Nissan, and this is his uh, girlfriend, Lorraine. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you for coming out. Okay, so your job is to see who puts their hand up first so that we can give them the prizes if they answer correctly. You have to answer a question correctly. I'm supporting the ladies, so... There's some yeah, bias there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some bias. <laughs> Marta, Marta and Chris are going to be walking home with all the prizes. <laughs> Alright, so here you hold that for a second. Okay, so there's three all together, and uh, I'm just going to sneak and see which one's the first one. Wow. Okay. That's a good one. So. Again, this is whoever puts their hand up first. Don't put, uh, don't bl blurt out the answer. Put your hand up so that's fair, okay? Uh, this, there was a player during our three-peat who was known, and let me wait to finish the question, who was known as the barber of the team and cut people's hairs in the locker room. Who was this player? Oscar. Marcelo. No. Camavinga. No. During the three peat. Oh, is it Crystal? No. No. <laughs> Kenneth? No. Oh! <laughs> now it's just. Uh, yes. No. God damn. Mustafa. No. All right. Guess I'm going home with the prize tonight. No, Yes. So this is signed by Kaylor Abbas. Underrated, player. yeah, and beloved, humble yeah, exactly. guy. Yeah, yeah, he's so underrated. 
Can we see the photos? I know we're sneaking the Okay, so this player, on his debut, virtually the first thing he did, it was against, it was against his, uh, Barcelona in the Spanish Super Cup. He slide tackled the ball away from Xavi on his very first play as a Real Madrid player. And if you don't get this one, I might make the question easier, but I'm going to try it first like this. On his debut? On his debut, Spanish Super Cup versus Barcelona, basically in the preseason. First play was a slide tackle on Xavi. Yes. Luka Modric signed. <laughs> Alright, wow. last wow. one. This goes to my apartment. <laughs> what was my question with this one? Uh, oh, my. <laughs> okay, hold on. Okay. <clears throat> During the Copa del Rey final, when Cristiano, I think it's 2011, Cristiano scored the head of in the extra time against Barca, remember that? One Real Madrid player ran over and did a gesture towards Barcelona no. fans. Marcelo! No. Oh, yes. So I do have a few more of those, but not with me, but I'm going to give them out at the San Francisco podcast. So if anyone's coming out to San Fran, we're doing a podcast there tomorrow night. So you can win more if you guys feel like driving up to San Fran tomorrow. Um, that concludes the show, guys. Thank you so much for coming out. I can't tell you how much I love you guys. It's so nice to meet you all. Seeing you guys again, meeting you for the first time. People I know that I, I basically know you because I've known you through the podcast. So it, it was a it was a great pleasure. Please stick around and have drinks. We can uh, hang out for a little bit. Uh, but this was a, a, the pleasure is mine. Thank you guys so much. Thank, Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Before we wrap it up, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on Patreon.com/slash Managing Madrid. You do so much to help support the show. And as always, if you pledge ten dollars or more, you get a specific shout out on the podcast. And in addition to that, you also get guaranteed responses to your questions. And in addition to that, if you're a patron in general, you get access to a ton of bonus content exclusively over on patreon.com slash managing widget. So if you like these free shows, you get a ton more bonus content inside patreon.com slash managing widget. Shout out to these $10 plus patrons who do so much to support the show. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Wei Pering, Wamik Jamal, Umar Mahadi, Tyler Simon, Tobias Arroyo Bacher, Tarek Goktas, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Shivam Tiwari, Sherry Sorio, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil Shabaz Sharapov, <coughs> Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samir Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Rafi Irfan Zaman, Phoenix Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odaifari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Zapatero Zubiare, uh, Nicholas Moller, <coughs> Nick Ribeiro, Nelson Mazariego, Muxi Tengal, Mowgli MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Logan Stahl, Leon Savernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, 
Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Christian Toff, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Armen Gashi, Armando L, Anton Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Alexis Saniceros, Al Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We love you guys so much. Thank you for the support. And thank you for being part of the family and Halamari.